We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the High Stakes Lowdown, a Rotoviz podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Football Players Championship. I'm Eric Balkman from the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour and the FFPC. You can follow me on Twitter at Eric Balkman and the FFPC on Twitter at FFPC. Before we get into the show, I want to remind everyone that you can get a listeners only 10% discount to Rotoviz by using the code RVRADIO2022. That's RVRADIO2022. Your subscription gives you unlimited access to all of the Rotoviz content and tools, and it supports the podcast channel. Now, without further ado, here's the latest edition of the Rotoviz High Stakes Lowdown. Happy December 26th, Boxing Day for those viewers in Canada, December 26, 2023, as we are into Championship Week of the FFPC Main Event and the Fantasy Pros Championship. Hello, everyone. I'm Eric Balkman. You follow me on the X at Eric Balkman. You know me from the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, the Better Sports Network High Stakes Fantasy Football Show, and of course, the Fantasy Football Players Championship, the FFPC. And by the way, when you go to myffpc.com, you can play in the FFPC Week 16, I beg your pardon, Week 17 Weekly Challenge. There's no draft or salary cap. You just choose the 10 players or 12 players that you want by Thursday, Saturday, or Sunday's kickoff, three separate challenges. Uh, And then you can watch the points pile up through the weekend's games. Remember, only one player per NFL team. So no draft, no salary cap, but you can't do any stacking. You have to pick one player or you can only pick one player per NFL team. You can enter for $35. You can enter for $200. You can win up to $2,500. And don't forget the FFPC Playoff Challenge is here as well. MyFFPC.com, MyFFPC.com is where to go. Two great contests for this. It's the same awesome format that I basically just described, except instead of picking for uh, a week's worth of games, you are picking for the entire postseason's worth of games. Now, we don't know the postseason combatants yet, but we do know that you can register right now at myffpc.com. And once those uh, that postseason schedule is live, you'll be able to pick your players from that. One player per team, 12 players for the entire postseason. You don't switch it up. You don't trade them out or, or you know get new players after the wild card weekend or divisional playoff. 
you basically lock them in by that kickoff of that first wild card weekend game, and then that's it. You can enter for $200. You can enter for $35. If you enter for $35, you can win the $100,000 grand prize. If you enter for $200, you could win the $500,000 grand prize. MYFFPC.com is where to go for that. Remember to like, subscribe, comment, share this video with your friends and enemies, and get notified every time we go live by clicking on that notification bell on the video itself. Tonight, I'm pleased to welcome back onto the show the ninth place team owner in the Fantasy Pros Championship. Uh, he is chasing a $1 million grand prize in that contest. He's also got a team in the championship round of the FFPC main event, a guy who I don't even know how many dozens, maybe even hundreds at this point, fantasy league titles he has had at the high stakes level uh, before you follow him uh, on the X machine at Cruz underscore Brad. Please welcome back onto the show, Brad Cruz, the fantasy assassin himself. Brad, happy holidays to you. Thank you for coming on the show tonight. Well, thank you very much, Eric. Uh, uh, pleasure to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, absolutely. Always a pleasure to have you on. How was the Christmas uh, for you? What Was Christmas good? Did you do anything? Was it taxing watching so many football games? Like we had Thursday night, we had Saturday, we had Sunday, we had Monday night. Had to be a crazy Christmas season for you. Yeah, of course, we had uh, 30-some family members all together, and that's always fantastic. And so not as much football watching as a normal weekend. But definitely scrolling through the the scoreboard or an ESPN on my phone. What's that uh, like when when you're when you got all when you're entertaining all these guests and hanging out with family, but you're still like, my God, I'm floating around the top ten for a million bucks here this weekend. What's that like? I mean, you'd be surprised. A bunch of family members are into fancy football, right. so they, everyone else is checking in too, um, and everyone's very interested since we play a lot of high stakes leagues. You know how we're doing we're always like we're not going to know for two weeks all yeah. the money goes and you know after week 17 uh so we just have to wait and uh, not everyone understands that but that's the truth <laughs> it is the truth and it, mm -hmm. it's it's just what we deal with it's it, it's something that's going to be fun frustrating i know this was a frustrating weekend for me but i'm excited to see how week 17 unfolds and speaking of week 17 in this episode tonight we're going to try to point out the reasons for drafting with the ffpc main event fantasy pros championship round in mind uh, why we should have seen or maybe should not have seen trey mcbride coming uh this past summer during drafting season we're going to try to help you to perfect the uh, perfect excuse me those championship week lineups and much more tonight that's all on the show so let's get into it brad um right away I want to ask you here, uh, ninth place in the Fantasy Pros Championship, just one week to go, eight teams separating you from that million-dollar grand prize. You look at this team that's in ninth place right now, man. How do you like your chances? Well, of course, our chancing for, for finishing first and taking down the million, it, it's, a, it's a long shot, right? We've got to climb over eight teams. We've got to make up a deficit. So, you know, it's certainly no one would predict that to happen, but... It feels good to be in the top 10 and watch this unfold this coming weekend, hoping for the miracle. We should land in the money somewhere, uh, but of course the prize money drops real quick, so it's not likely to be life-changing money, but it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. How do you plan on spending week 17? What are you going to be doing? Because this is New Year's oh, weekend. Oh, oh, I will be glued in front of the TV watching the games, <laughs> uh, unless early on I'm knocked out. But if early on we get some momentum going, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll be watching every minute. Are you in line? I mean, you're probably in line for some serious cash in, in a bunch of leagues this year, right? We, um, we we are in line in some cash when you look across all the formats. Um, it's really good. We, we had a, a tough week 13, which knocked us out of three of the four auctions that we all were. Mm. We were actually top three. Each of our auction teams 
we're top three scoring teams in the league. But week 13 laid an egg, so we didn't advance into the finals. So we were in the semifinals, but not the finals. What was it about? Was it was it your players that didn't perform in week 13? Were you up against some? We had sports? some. We had some injuries for Madre Stevenson, Tank Dell. Uh, there were like three guys who were popular on our teams that, uh, you know, that, that that just gave us single digit numbers because of injuries and got mm-hmm. the first quarter, for, you know, second quarter, type of thing. And when we needed them to to be a top two finisher in a four team playoff for the finals, um, didn't happen for us. So I, that, that's the way it happens. Yeah, that is the way it happens. I, I had a I had a really tough week sixteen. Now, I, I wouldn't say that it was an injury thing for me. I just my guys just sucked, you know, yeah. in a lot of leagues. And that happens, you know. It, it just for it sure. when it happens at this time of year. But you know, it's it's always a possibility. Um, yeah. When you were drafting this specific team, Brad, back mm-hmm. in was this early September? Was this an early September draft? Um, I, I probably late August. Late August. Okay. Mm-hmm. So when you were drafting this team. And I guess not just limited to this team. Let's expand yeah. upon it when you're drafting teams in general. How much of an eye do you have on weeks 15 to 17? Is there something to be garnered from drafting based on the championship round schedule? Or is there just too much football that goes on to, to really ascertain any kind of meaningful data that you know that this guy is the right pick here over this guy? Do you ever look at the championship round when you're drafting your squads? Um. Yes. So simple answer, but yes, the deeper explanation is as my brothers and I prepared, you know, there was so much focus on stacking for the, for weeks 15 to 17. That's what matters. No one cares about the first, the opening schedule anymore. You know, everybody's uh, looking to stack week 17 or 15 to 17 and especially in best ball tournaments. Mm -hmm. Um, So we were a little, we went into that problem skeptical. We stacked a little bit last year, but, you know, really wasn't a, a forethought to do deep and multiple stacks. Uh, this year, dug into a lot more history, read all the articles on on why you stack and, and the advantage it gives you. Uh, but, you know, thanks to Fantasy Mojos and Rotoviz tools and, and data, uh, we tried to figure out what is the, the value of stacking. And so we came away saying, yeah, we want to try this a little bit more this year. But we don't want to reach for it, right? And we were definitely trying to stack QBs that already had the elite prospects in it versus the other way way around. Grab the QB first, and uh, and then populate his weapons. Mm. So so that that was kind of our focus. And when I looked at the the Steve Kerr league, I think we had a Ross, St. Brown, and uh, later Brandon Cooks and Jerry Goff. Mm-hmm. So for Week 17, we had an elite receiver, his quarterback and uh bring back player in uh, brandon cooks as an opponent so if that if that's a shootout maybe they can all go off uh, that well, that was kind of the logic and that's how it played out in that draft even though jared goff's no longer with this team what about um when when you talk about stacking this year you tried to get the quarterback first and then the pass catcher the no receiver. other way around other way around so okay so this year you got you added the quarterback later right Correct. Okay, so in years past, were you grabbing the quarterback earlier and then filling in with his pass catcher when you no, stacked? It, 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 I mean, it certainly teams like the Giants, where Daniel Jones goes, you know, in the middle of the draft, and he had a bunch of pass catchers. Let you could do that and throw darts, and who knows? But really, what we what we think is, you want the guy who's likely going to blow up, right? So that's the wide receiver one on his team. 
And then if you get his quarterback that he can drag along with him, it's great. But if you go grab Pat Mahomes, it's not as clear, especially in the summer, who he was going to bring along with him, right? So do you spend three or four pet draft picks trying to, to populate them? And let me say anyone not named Travis Kelsey. Right. Um, I, I think, um, well, let, let's talk about this, Steve Kerr. And this is the, the team name, Steve Kerr. Yes. Uh, in for anybody who's listening in the fantasy pros championship, ninth place overall right now. Um, to me, and let's take stacking out of the equation for the moment as much as we can. Mm-hmm. It seemed to me like when I would talk to high stakes players this summer, um, or even you know, early, um, you know, September, October, we talk about their drafts. It seemed like a lot of them, not all of them, but a lot of them put more of an emphasis on drafting quarterbacks a little bit higher this year than they had in previous years. And this is, you know, single quarterback leagues. It's not like we're talking super flex here. Sure. Um, in this specific league, round 12 is when you ended up taking quarterbacks. You went boom, boom, boom. Daniel Jones in the 12th, Jared Goff in the 13th, Kenny Pickett in the 14th. I know you alluded to Goff already. Um, why specifically did you do that in this league? And next year, given the success of this team, are you more than likely to, again, wait on quarterback until – you know, after the 10th round and then form a triumvirate there and try to figure it out from there. Yeah. I mean, as you know, since we've drafted together and, and against each other in Kentucky for, I know, 10 years or more now, um, late round QB has kind of been a tenet of, of what we do. And it's, and it's what happens a lot in Kentucky. And there's a, you kind of play chicken at the quarterback position who will be the last guy to take his quarterback. <laughs> um, however, the last couple of years, especially in the best ball slim leagues that FFPC offers, we started to migrate to put a little more higher premium on the quarterbacks. I guess that's also due to the fact that a lot of people were waiting at quarterbacks so you could get a premium quarterback around six or around seven. And so that started to look like too much value to pass up because in best ball slim leagues, you can't change your roster and people tend to want three quarterbacks, three kickers, you know, three, all the single, single positions, um, which in slims is just quarterbacks. But you only had like 18 roster spots a couple of years ago. So it, so that roster spot cost you a lot. And you wanted to invest it in the, the more variable positions, which, which are tend to be receiver. So we thought if we could grab a couple of, you know, top 10 round quarterbacks, they, don't, they aren't likely to lose their job due to skill, right? I mean, mm-hmm. everyone's got an injury risk with them. And they have an, a strong enough ceiling to their performance and a consistent enough performance that getting that third quarterback isn't as advantageous. So we'll take that roster spot, put it somewhere else. So that got us starting to play a little bit more with the uh, higher end quarterback game. Now in managed leagues, it's not as important because if a quarterback gets hurt or, or become, turns into a dud, you can go roster, you know, uh, change your direction during the season roster. it. The big advantage I've found over the years is that quarterback uh, when you draft, so everyone's draft, so the six top six to eight quarterbacks, everyone feels kind of good about, right? So that leaves four players who are throwing darts, and they may feel they hit, they may feel they they miss, but after one or two weeks, they're not necessarily saying, you know, barring an injury, their quarterback sucks. So when a quarterback emerges off the wire, you don't have a lot of competition going for that quarterback. So we tend to take a, a week one reveal very seriously at quarterback. Mm. And so therefore we're on the CJ Strouds, Baker Mayfields of the world early for cheap money 
and and then Steve Kerlig, those are our quarterbacks right now. We're riding through the playoffs. And and it makes perfect sense in theory, right? And 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 it certainly has paid off for you this year. How big will it be? A seven figure payoff? We'll find out yeah, yeah. this time next week for sure. Um, Trey McBride, let's talk about him. I, I was looking at some of your teams, and this is like you know main event, fantasy pros, best ball tournament, everything. It seemed like you had a lot of Trey McBride this year, and and I'm I, I'm certain you're pretty thrilled to get him where you did, given his performance so far this year. What did you see in McBride during drafting season? that made you think that, okay, look, this is a guy we got to acquire early and often. Yes. I was so certain about McBride during this summer. I thought he was a gem in the back third of the draft. My brothers and I prepared, we hashed out a bunch of names like Trey McBride. And, you know, he did well after Ertz went down last year. Mm -hmm. He came in the league with pretty high draft capital and a lot of good thought as he was a rookie last year, but he got stuck behind Ertz. When Ertz went down, he had good connections, but that's when people aren't paying attention so much because you know a lot of the leagues they're they're out of McBride's, you know maybe locked out of the waivers, you know you're you know whatever. So he didn't have the same pub, and this is a historic rookie tight end class, so he wasn't getting all the hype. So I thought Ertz wouldn't make Week One. I thought McBride's going to be the guy, and then when he takes you know continues as he left off last year, he's going to be a fixture. Okay, that didn't happen. So when Ertz came back, he was going to be the lead guy. I tapped the brakes a little bit, but always kept that in the back of my mind. And so when Ertz started getting injury a little bit and then went out, we were over McBride. We have him in half our fantasy pros leagues. He's our most popular tight end, but we do not have enough of Trey McBride. Right. Nobody does, right? At this point, it's based on how he's been playing. I wish I had more Trey McBride. I mean, I could have him in 70% of leagues. I wish I had more. You know, um, we got, and this, I know this isn't on the show sheet that I sent over, but um, more tight end news in the NFL today. TJ Hawkinson tears his ACL, which is brutal. It sucks. It it stinks. And it's going to affect him for 2024 probably as well. Um, This week, week 17, I remember when the Vikings played the Packers back in um, late October. And this is a game that, granted, Kirk Cousins was playing, but he did get hurt in this game. and, and, you know, ruptures Achilles is out for the year. But that game, no Justin Jefferson and K.J. Osborne, uh, Hawkinson had a big game. K.J. Osborne had a big game. Jordan Addison had a big game. We don't know if Addison's playing this week. Um, what about K.J. Osborne, uh, Brad, this week as a second flex in, like, the main event or the Fantasy Pros Championship, knowing that uh, the Vikings are not going to be able to literally throw it to Justin Jefferson every play, or maybe they will, who knows. Um, but knowing that um, – uh, Hawkinson is not going to be there. Does Osborne strike you as a guy? Cause I know he's owned in a lot of leagues and people are going to have the option to flex him out if they want. Is that getting too cute? I mean, I feel like if you're down in the standings, now's the time to deploy a guy like that. Um, but he had eight catchers for 99 yards. The last time he played the Viking or la- last time he played green Bay. And I think there might be something there in week 17. He um, for sure. He he's going to be as good a dart throw as anybody. I um, mean, you have to look at your roster. Are you stacked in there? Did the Addison loss hurt you? Did the, the Hawkinson loss hurt you? Mm-hmm. Um, is Jaden <clears throat> Reed going to play? You know, a lot of guys you could be starting. Osborne could certainly step in for you if you've got him. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data 
and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I think uh, it's going to be interesting, and that's the Sunday night game too. Uh, and it's the only—I mean, that, there is no Monday night game this week, so that that's going to be interesting to see how people treat that. I know I was going back and forth uh, on the Monday night uh, uh, Christmas Day game between Lamar Jackson and Brock Purdy all the way up to it, and everything in my body said Brock Purdy's going to blow up, start him. I didn't. I played Lamar Jackson, and I'm and I'm thankful. But well my God, I don't know what happened with Purdy last night, Brad. Holy cow! I think the Ravens happened to him. The Ravens did happen. <laughs> <laughs> the Ravens did happen uh, to Brock Purdy last night. Um, you mentioned Jaden Reed, um, and I think he's been a, a player that, you know, I, I don't know if he was – I guess he was drafted in a bunch of leagues, but I know in some of my Kentucky leagues, which you referenced earlier, I picked him up uh, early on in the season. Um, I don't have as much of him as, as you do. Um, you just told me why you love Trey McBride coming into the season. Why did you want to make sure you got Jaden Reed on so many teams like you did this year? So growing up in Chicago, it's certainly not possible that I'm a bigger Packer fan than you. <laughs> well, anything's possible. Anything's possible. <laughs> uh, Reed is another guy we, uh, my brothers and I, discussed ad nauseum over the summer. And we came to the conclusion, you know, in some point in early August that we liked Jaden Reed over Romeo Dobbs. And... Um, you know, a lot of risks with the Packer offense, you know, was Jordan Love going to be able to step in and develop? You know, would would Reed as a rookie do well? But he's really a better draft capital than than Dobbs. And reading the, you know, the rookie reports from the, the guys who tape watch, they all really mm-hmm. loved Jaden Reed. And he was going four, five, six rounds later. A lot of times it was 18th round. We could throw darts on him or, you know, early in the drafting season. So we we early on decided we want to be over market to Jaden Reed. And he has certainly developed from a, okay, let's not cut him yet. We're showing signs to, okay, should he be started this week versus whoever else to now it's tough to take him out of your flex. Right. Was it, was it a draft capital thing slash what he put on tape at Michigan state? Were those the two biggest factors that you're like, okay, th- there's something here for, for Jane Reed and green Bay. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't watch college football myself, so I really dig into like the rookie scouting uh, portfolio Mm -hmm. and some of the other tape watching um, guys to get a read on them and then then review what the analytics guys are saying. 
And so Jaden Reed kind of stood out to me, and the Packers have hit on a lot of wide right receivers in the past. Christian Watson was the the big guy from uh, from Green Bay in fourth fifth round draft capital in in fantasy drafts, uh, but you know he's injured a lot last year. Um, you know there was still some question about him. Mm-hmm. Romeo Dobbs was the darling in the summer last year, but and he and he had some splashes in the summer this year, but I didn't you know when you if they were both rookies I'd be on Reed, and so I'm. I kind of said, look, I think I like Reed better. And then with the discount in the draft capital, certainly heavy on, on Reed. And we were below market on, on Dobbs. I, you know, the, the thing, and, and I want to make it seem all about draft capital um, because it's not, but right. when you consider that Romeo Dobbs was a fourth round pick last year and Jaden Reed was or, uh, two years ago. And then this past year, well, no, last year Dobbs in 2022, we'll just say that. In 2022, Dobbs was a fourth-round pick. In 2023, yeah. Jaden Reed was a second-round pick, right? Yeah. And I think you are this season. Now, I'm not saying this is it good. This is how it's going to be for their careers, but you're definitely seeing this season the limitations that Romeo Dobbs has as a fourth-round pick, and and the higher ceiling that Jaden Reed has presented as a second-round pick. I said, Brad, um, last month or maybe it was a month and a half ago, Reed was being used by the Packers in a lot of the same ways that Watson was being used by the Packers last year. Yeah. And when, when Watson was, was not available this year, Reed stepped up and, and I'll tell you, and, and as long as we're talking about Packers receivers, what's your opinion on Dontavian Wicks? Because he's been kind of another find for green Bay. Yeah. I had him a couple of weeks ago in my, my Kentucky dynasty league as a hedge on Jaden Reed's availability on Monday night game, whatever we had that Monday night game. Mm-hmm. And he looks good. I've kept him. And then you hear that the coach is saying he's, he sees a lot of Devonte Adams in him. Like whoa, that sounds a bit rich, but okay, I'm gonna hold on to that guy. <laughs> yeah, and so the we'll, other thing, we'll and the other thing too with Wicks is, if and I said this uh, on the HSFF hour this past Friday because we were talking about Dontavian Wicks um, with uh, Farrell Elliott and John Donaldson, and I said this guy's 20, um, 2022 was unbelievable. He had mm-hmm. a a fin- or, uh, no eyes. Uh, uh, twenty twenty one was unbelievable, and if he would have come out then, he probably would have been. Uh, a second round pick, maybe even a, a first, you know, borderline first round pick. But in 2022, um, he had a season in which the offense was brand new, new offensive coordinator, a lot of changes for whatever reason, he just failed to adapt to that new offense. And he slips until day three, the Packers, you know, obviously see the raw talent and even, and I'll say this too, even when um, he was not performing earlier in the season, he was consistently graded out as the best Packers receiver as far as getting open, um, his route running ability, like all things that you're like, okay, you can only do this for so long before the ball's going to start finding you. The ball started right. finding Wicks. I'm, I'm like, I'm with you. In fact, in, in some of my Kentucky dynasty leagues, I picked up as uh, Wicks as well. And we'll see what happens in 2024 with them. But things are looking up for the Packers receiver room, something that had a, you know, a ton of question marks hanging over it coming into this season, no longer in, uh, in 2024. Let's keep talking about youthful receivers here. Okay. And I want to talk about a guy, Brad, with you who had 13 targets last night on Monday night football. He had nine catches, turned it into 72 yards uh, and a touchdown. And that was Zay Flowers. So after what we saw with Zay Flowers on Monday night, how close is he going to be to being a must start against the Miami Dolphins on Sunday. And, and before I before you answer that question, I, I feel like I should bring this up too. 
when you look at that game, um, the, the Ravens and Dolphins, two highly talented offenses and two pretty good defenses as well. But when you consider those offenses, the total on that game, as I look it up right now, between the Ravens and the Dolphins on Sunday, what is that, a 1 p.m. game? Why am I not finding it here? Uh, yeah, 1 p.m. game. That it has a total of 47 points on that game. How close, Brad, in your opinion, is Zay Flowers to being a must-start player this week in championship week? Yeah, so when you look at championship week and you know in the tournament, the sprint, you need big scores. You need a 200. You need a 190. Um, the higher, the better. I, I think historically, you probably got to average around 190 to, to cut down the nets. Um, Flowers is starting to show that ceiling, but 20 points in three of the last four weeks. Um, he hasn't shown that, you know, that really big blow-up game, but he's hard to knock out of your flex spot. I mean, he's certainly looking like a starting wide receiver. I think he's top 30 year to date in fantasy points. So um, he's going to finish the year strong. He's going to be a player a lot of people like next year. Yeah, I, and and it makes me wonder. I'm like, is Zay, Plow, is Zay Flowers pricing himself out of where I'm comfortable drafting him next year? <laughs> you know, we're going to have drafts going on with the FFPC uh, probably in the next oh, two or three weeks or so. Um, and it'll be very interesting to see where Zay Flowers is going in those drafts. Um, week 15, so the week before, mm-hmm. he only had two targets, one catch for seven yards. Yeah, But he had nine catches, six catches, and five catches in the three weeks before that. This is a guy, and quite frankly, I mean, like, dude, in his first NFL game, nine catches for 78 yards, uh, and then he gets two carries in that game too. He is a player that has been putting up numbers all season long. 74 catches, 750 yards. He's been in the end zone five times if you include rushing too. Um, it's 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 going to be wild to see where Zay Flowers is drafted next year. But, yeah, it's going to be – I'm with you, Brad. Really, really tough to – when you're looking for spike-level games in Week 17, really, really tough to sit a guy like Zay Flowers. Conversely yeah, – Baltimore lost Keaton Mitchell too. So right. it, it could be that they're leveraging more on Flowers to – help overcome that explosion lost. And and it would make sense from a tactical standpoint for Baltimore, mm-hmm. you know, to, right. to get to incorporate flowers more into that Keaton Mitchell role. Keaton Mitchell, I don't I feel like they, they weren't always really using him as a running back, you know, in quotes for if you're listening to the audio yes. version later. They weren't using him as an uh, as a running back, it was more like kind of a weapon and and definitely a threat in the receiving game too. Zay Flowers really, really looking good. Uh, if you got him in Dynasty, things are looking up there as well. Um, a player that um, I think bottom out is is a proper term here for Demonte Adams. Um, Christmas Day against the Kansas City Chiefs, that dude ended up and and the Raiders won that game and it was on the strength of their defense, which I can't believe I'm saying the Raiders defense ended up being the reason they beat the Chiefs in <laughs> Arrowhead, but that's what happened. Um, he had his worst performance as a Las Vegas Raider for sure this season. He had one catch for um, 11 yards back in week eight at Detroit. Um, He gets one catch for four yards uh, on Christmas Day, Brad. Six targets, one catch, four yards. I know we don't want to get too cute here. Like you're trying to win a million bucks. If you are in the the thick of things to try to win the seven-figure grand prize, in the FFPC main event or the fantasy pros championship. I think you've dragged Devonte Adams to that spot. He has not raised up your team to get you to this spot. Is it too cute to think about benching him against Indianapolis this week? Um, he is the type of player, you know, 
he had the one catch for four yards this past week. The week before, he gets eight catches for 101 yards and a touchdown. So that's what you're dealing with if you decide to bench him this week. But is it the right call to bench him at Indianapolis? Yeah, so Devontae Adams kind of a sore spot. If you looked at the draft board, you had this little asterisk by his name. Mm -hmm. And that, of course, means auto we got auto-picked. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I, I, try to re I remember when it happened, uh, we were trying to get Andrews logged up. So it was kind of one of those where we were counting on a different player to be there. He wasn't there. Then we started debating. Uh, we just didn't execute the Andrews pick in time. And then we kind of said, well, okay, gets us off of zero shares of Devontae Adams. It might not be a bad thing. <laughs> now, Andrews, of course, is out for the year. So it's not He's like out, he'd yeah. be helping us, right? Right. Um, but uh, little do we know, in week 16, Adams throws the stinker in. Yeah. I don't think you can bench him because he's got, what, a couple of 30-point games this year. You're you're looking for guys who can do that. I don't think we've got the depth on the bench to say we can replace his ceiling. But but we'll look at that this weekend. Um, you know, the other thing I noticed when I was looking at this Steve Kerr team in ninth place in the Fantasy Pros Championship, I, I was looking at your waiver bids, and I noticed that you uh, bid on Puka Nakua before his, his big week one. And I'm like, oh, my God, think about how great this team would be if they would have had Puka Nakua on it. And then I kept scrolling down. I'm like, oh, wait, they got him the following week. You guys got it. It cost you 458 bucks instead of a dollar. So God knows what you could have done with that money. But you still ended up getting Nakua on this team, which is which is very, very good. So um, my brother, uh, so my brother and I, we draft teams separately, um, and then we kind of manage together. This is together. Tim, right? Are you talking about Tim? Tim? This is my brother, Tim. Yeah, you're right. Okay, we have another it. brother involved, which is Bob. Mm -hmm. um, so Tim was managing this team. So I gave him the whole credit for Puka. Puka was being drafted in Vegas, of course, right? Yep. He went hard on Puka and all the waiver wires because um, he really believed in him. And so we have a lot of Puka on leagues where he didn't get drafted. Uh, so I was managing uh, the more of the main events where he was all drafted, so he wasn't up there. But Fantasy Pros, where we didn't draft him, the later ones, we went hard after him in the mm -hmm. waiver wire. And and it's a kind of a running debate with us. He loves to spend his money early in drafts. I, I tend to be a little bit more cautious and have more money at the difference-making player at the end of the, the season. Mm -hmm. um, and and this year it looked like, especially in fantasy pros, where you could get the Kyron Williams and the Puka Nakua's. We have a lot of those guys. And and um, like, kudos to Sean McVay. We've been I've been saying this all year. Kyron Williams, a guy who like I still don't know how he's doing it, Brad. He's just a good football player. His metrics are bad. He bombed out at the combine. I, the only reason I was drafting him, I'll tell you this. Kentucky weekend, when I was doing most of my drafting uh, in Louisville, I saw a blurb, I think it was on Royal World, talking about, and it was some Rams beat writer, saying that Kyron Williams in practice was actually more involved than Cam Akers was as a pass catcher. And I'm like, oh, perfect. You know, you get to the 13th, 14th, 15th round or whatever, and you're looking for these injury away type running backs. Kyron Williams was, he is a perfect option. Yeah. Never would have thought that what, <laughs> what I'm seeing right now from Kyron Williams I also can't remember a time, and I'm sure you'll be able to rattle some off, or maybe you won't. I don't know. But a, a, a receiver in Pukunakua, who was a day three choice, coming into a team that had target hog Cooper Cup, uh, an established tight end in Tyler Higby, 
I, I, I can't remember. I mean, this guy is what 147 yards away from the rookie record for most receiving yards by a rookie pass catcher. It just blows me. I can't remember a time where a day three rookie has made this kind of an impact before. And the fact that Kyron Williams and Puka Nakua are on the same team blows my mind even more. I can't explain it. I don't know how they're, they're pulling this off. In Los well, Angeles. this is a franchise who hasn't had a first round pick in a decade or something. Right. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> so, so they've needed to be to hit these guys later in drafts and, and they have. Um, you were talking about Romeo Dobbs draft capital versus mm-hmm. Jaden Reed. So this is an example of Puka Nakua draft capital didn't matter. No. And you're like, how did the league miss this guy? Who knows? I, how did they indeed? I, I have no idea. And there were like some guys out there, um, Thor Nystrom, I know from Fantasy Pros, Derek Brown from Fantasy Pros. These guys were talking up Puka Nakua in, in, um, prior to the NFL draft. And I, I grabbed them in a you know fourth round pick and rookie drafts. Like, well, you know, these guys like them. We'll see what I, I have, yeah, yeah. you know, no feelings on anybody in the fourth round. And now I love it. You know, it's it's been fantastic to, to get those guys on my team. Um, let's talk about uh, a question from the YouTube chat. John Terry, uh, a longtime uh, friend of the show, guy who's been on this program before. Um, injuries and waiver waivers locking have caused him to fall to the 21st place in the FFPC main event. Um, he has to start either Elijah Moore or Devontae Parker this week. Elijah Moore is Thursday night at home against the New York Jets. Devontae Parker hits the road to take on the Buffalo Bills. Um, Brad, if you had to pick one of these guys for week 17, given it's an FFPC main event, he's got to leap over 20 teams and still keep everybody else behind him. Uh, who is the player that you would start here between these two guys? Can you count the Elijah Moore as a revenge game? Uh, yes, you 100% can. I didn't even notice that till now. That's a total revenge game. Okay, so I think I guess, we made I, our decision I, I, here. I guess the bull on Elijah, the bull case for Elijah Moore is Sauce is probably going to be covering Cooper. Mm-hmm. Um, but he still gets another great corner. I forget the corner's name there, but they're they're both fantastic. Um, whereas Parker, boy, I, I, I don't like these options. I <laughs> I don't think John Terry likes him either. Yeah, <laughs> I think like... I'd, I'd I'd lean Parker just because Flacco has eyes for Cooper so much. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know that he even knows Elijah Moore's on the field. <laughs> uh, the other corner is uh, DJ Reed. Yes, for the yes. New York Jets. So that's probably who will be on Elijah Moore. Um, yeah, week week sixteen was not kind to Elijah Moore. Uh, two catches for 19 yards. And Joe Flacco, by the way, has been launching like 40-plus passes every single week. So for Moore to catch two in Week 16, and this wasn't a one-week thing, he right. catches two for 17 in Week 15, three catches for 42 yards in Week 14. And then I believe the first week he had with Flacco against the Rams, four catches for 83 yards. This is a guy that that was his highest receiving total all season was 83 yards. He had uh, nine catches, beg your pardon, in a 27-3 loss against the Titans in week three, but that was only 49 yards. I'm not seeing a ton of upside with Elijah Moore, despite um, what we have seen from, from Joe Flacco rejuvenating that passing offense. Um, and Flacco and Elijah Moore did well together with the Jets, right? Yeah, that's true. That's so true. It's, it's, it's interesting that everything is, is Cooper now. Yeah. Um, four catches for 65, five for 44, um, four for six, uh, four for 64 for Devonte Parker in his last three games. So I think the upside, I mean, there's not, there's not a ton from either one of these guys, 
I think I'm with you. I would lean towards Parker, but but it's close. So, John, hopefully uh, that helps you out. Uh, Bill Hollywood also in the chat right now in the YouTube chat also saying uh, Devontae Parker uh, is his choice as well. All right. Um, Isaiah Pacheco is dealing with a concussion. It's going to be very difficult for him to come back from a Monday game, Monday afternoon game, to be able to play on Sunday in the concussion protocol. Not impossible, but unlikely. So let's, for the sake of this conversation, let's say he is not cleared to play, and let's say it is Clyde Edwards-Alaire in the backfield for um, the Kansas City Chiefs this week. He gets the Cincinnati Bengals. This is a game that a lot of best ball uh, players had marked on their calendars. Ooh, week 17, Chiefs-Bengals. Well, it is not exactly the Chiefs and Bengals that we thought were going to be duking it out in week 17. The total on this game is 44.5. This is a positive game script for Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Chiefs are a seven-point favorite in this game. Would you recommend him as a flex this week, or is that too dangerous here, Brad? Well, I mean, it all depends on the other options, but he's certainly Mm -hmm. a viable starter. Because I what two weeks ago he had twenty points. I mean, he, uh, yeah, I'm looking it up right now, but I think that sounds right. It, it, I'd be higher on him if the Chiefs could move the ball these days, <laughs> right? Because any running back can fall into the end zone from the goal line. You're not doing any twist pushes with Pat Mahomes, so um, so I mean, Clyde's viable, but it just kind of depends who you're. If he's pushed onto flexes, you've got much stronger running backs. Then he's going to have to compete with some probably strong receivers. But he, um, he, he had four carries for six yards this past week. And I think I, I don't want to say you throw that out the window, but remember that the, the Chiefs were just trying to get any kind of offense going, especially when the Raiders had those back to back defensive touchdowns. Right. Um, to your point, two weeks ago against the Patriots, 13 carries, 37 yards. He also had uh, four catches for 64 yards and a touchdown in mm-hmm. that game. And the week before, he also had four catches. Uh, 39 yards on the ground. He's getting, I mean, he's he's doing the, the Lord's work for the Chiefs. Whether he does it again against the Cincinnati Bengals is, is remains to be seen. I'm with you. Depends upon your other options, but I think that there is something there as a second flex for you uh, in the FFPC main event or the Fantasy Pros Championship. Bill Hollywood is firing up Clyde all the way. So there you go, right. Bill Hollywood high on Clyde mm-hmm. Edwards-Alaire this week. Um, I incorporate your ninth place team into this question, if you will, uh, or any of your big money leagues that you're looking at trying to win some serious cash this week, Brad, what's the toughest lineup decision or decisions you're facing in week 17 as it stands right now? So, uh, you know, a lot of the decisions in recent weeks has been Rasheed Rice versus Jaden Reed Mm. as, you know, the final flex plays and both have been pretty good. Now Reed being out last week made that easy. Uh, but I tell you, the one league that's just been a killer emotionally for me all year has been varsity. Mm. Um, we've got Bajan Robinson, Tony Pollard, Aaron Jones, Jonathan Taylor, and Jalen Warren. Five running backs who you think could fill two, two RB and two flex positions pretty well. Never have. We have Laporta and McBride at tight end. So one of them wants to claim a flex position. Yeah. And then we've got Debo, Chris Godwin. Jaden Reed and Jordan Addison, of course, is now out. That's just been a brutal league, and we never find the right guys. And because of that, we're going to wind up out of the money. That's tough. It's so tough, right? Yeah. So frustrating because for a best ball team, that's amazing. Right. And and it, when you have to actually pick the players in in that in that format, it's 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 mind numbing because oftentimes, like Dave the Dizzle Gerzak always said this: 
you're you're usually not going to pick your optimal lineup. It's just it's right. it's so tough to do, and and the NFL is a funny game, and it's it's tough to do that. Um, and at least, well, I mean, it, it stinks that you're going to finish out of the money with such a talented team. One of the running backs that you mentioned on that team, Brad, was Jalen Warren. And if memory serves me, don't you have a lot of shares of Jalen Warren this year? Why were you high on him? Well, I mean, we felt last year that you know he was going to fantasy wise be somewhat equivalent to Najee Harris who went, you know, seven rounds, eight rounds earlier than mm-hmm. him. Um, so we thought it was a no brainer pick and, and great contingent upside if Najee Harris were to go down. So we, he was definitely a target for us in the ninth, 10th round. Um, and then before they fired Canada, you know, they Warren started getting the start and he was, and he, he started putting together a couple of two, maybe three 20 point weeks together. And like, okay, now he's showing the ceiling that we can be more confident to make decisions with him. But then the, the OC changed that everyone cheered and it's been Najee Harris show. Now it's like a two thirds, one third instead of a 50, 50 split. So he's kind of fallen off the last three, four or five weeks. Um, but yeah, he, he was certainly one of our very popular, especially from a zero RB standpoint, because he could give us both the, the playability and the contingent upside that we were looking for. Yeah, and and th- I think that was the thing for me because I've worn in a few teams, not as many as you, but like th- the thing that intrigued me about Warren is I felt like given what he represented for the Steelers and given his talent level and how the Steelers used him, I felt like he should have been going higher in drafts. And to me, he always seemed like a bargain every time it would come to me. Like, ah, Warren's still out there again. I should probably grab him. And it was usually like my fourth running back or something like that. But th- right. these these pay off. These guys can pay off. And when you draft a guy like Warren, and I say this all the time, he doesn't have to hit every single week for you, but if you can use him in the right spot and when he is successful or when he's getting the opportunity, it makes a lot of sense uh, to get yeah. Warren on your team. And if uh, Pickens had just blocked for him a week ago, then he'd had a <laughs> touchdown, right? He so. would have, yeah. <laughs> and, but Pickens is another guy, too, that um, I, I just I, I'm done trying to figure him out. Um, I had him benched in every league possible known to man this past week, and I'm watching him just run um, – you know, past the Bengals defense on not one, but two occasions only catches four balls, but he gets a better part of 200 yards and two touchdowns. That was frustrating as well. It was a frustrating week, 16, very yes, frustrating week. 16. Yes, it was. Um, let's uh, let's wrap this up. Um, okay. Week 17, Brad championship week. All the money is going to be doled out this week. Everything is magnified to the nth degree for lineup decisions and, and trying to figure out the right guys to get in your lineup. So let's frame the question this way. We've talked about some players already that may or may not be in your lineups. Talk about mm-hmm. Clyde Edwards-Alaire. You talked about the Rasheed Rice versus Jaden Reed decision that you've had, you know, facing in a lot of your leagues this year. Um, uh, Devontae Adams, we we considered uh, benching him, but you probably can't afford to, as you said. Um, a sleeper that not a lot of people are going to be playing this week that you think could be in for a big game, especially if you're trying to get by a few dozen people on the leaderboard to get up to, to number one or a few hundred, whatever it were, whatever it is. Um, and then conversely, a player that you think a lot of FFPC players are going to be starting this week that you are very nervous about for his performance mm-hmm. in week 17. Okay. Um, so since we talked a lot about Zay Flowers, I'll, I'll disqualify him to be the sleeper mm-hmm. um, uh, answer. So I'll go with a couple. Ones might not sound so sleeperish, but he might have kind of fall on your mind um, in, in Nico Collins. Sure. He's back. CJ Stroud is back. You know, he should be in a great spot against Tennessee. Um, and then if that's 
not sleeper enough, maybe it's teammate Noah Brown. Ooh, now that's spicy. Noah Brown. This is interesting. Noah Brown, let's just look at this for a second. So you mentioned at home against the Titans this week are, are, the, uh, are the Texans. Noah Brown, this past week, only three for 38. He did see seven targets. Um, and that was with, uh, what's his name at quarterback? Why am yeah. I, uh, um, Case Davis Mills, Case Keenum, Davis Mills, God, Case Keenum. Mm-hmm. Um, it, that should go up with, mm-hmm. um, with, uh, with CJ Stroud and bear in mind, this is a dude who has gotten already this season, six catches for 153 yards and he had a seven catch for 172 yard week. So mm-hmm. I think that's spicy. That's a spicy choice for Noah Brown. Not a lot of people are going to think about it. It's CJ Stroud, Nico Collins, no tank Dell this week. Noah Brown, that could be very interesting. Mm-hmm. What about a, a player that you're nervous about for week 17? A, a nervous must start. I guess likening back to my varsity conversation, I don't know how you can not be nervous about starting Bajan Robinson. Mm. Um, how do you sit him? I mean, he's facing a vastly improved Bears team. Um, and his own coach to get, you know, plays called for him. <laughs> so I, th- I think you got to start him because he's such a talented guy and can catch six balls and do all that kind of stuff. But I've been nervous starting him all year long. So yeah. why won't I be nervous this week? Do you want to take a guess, Brad? Maybe you already know this. How many catches does Bijan Robinson have on the season? Okay. Take, take a uh, guess. Take a guess. Um, 40? He has uh, 48 on the season. Okay. So that's an interesting guess and or a very good guess. And I think what's interesting about that is we have been lamenting Arthur Smith and, and how it affects Bijan Robinson all season. This is a down year from what a lot of people expect. I mean, Bijan Robinson was like a first round pick this year. Oh, absolutely. Um, and the dude is 127 yards away from a thousand yard season, which you say a thousand yards, big deal. Well, in today's NFL, in the last few years, thousand yards has, has not been able, it's not been easy to get for a lot of running backs. Right. So he's only 127 yards away from that 48 catches. And he's 27 yards away from a 400 uh, receiving yard season. And he's gotten into the end zone seven times. Imagine if he was had a coach that was going out of his way to get him involved in the game plan rather than going out of his way to get guys like Michael Pruitt and um, oh, who's the other tight end there? Uh, Janu Smith and yeah. Tyler Algier, for God's sake, this past and, week. And Corderell Patterson. And Corderell Patterson. Oh, God, the he list was, goes on. He was on. lead blocking for Corderell Patterson on his touchdown. The, the worst <laughs> thing that can happen is the Falcons making the playoffs. Because the yes. Falcons make the playoffs that that for sure tax on it one more year of, of Arthur Smith and maybe more after that. But yeah, I'd be nervous about Robinson. And 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 to your point in varsity, has he been a bench for you? Or you guys are just like, look, we, we can't do it. We, we're not strong enough to bench Bijan Robinson because of his high floor. Have you been playing him in varsity most we, weeks? We've been playing him, but he certainly gave me a freaking headache that one week. <laughs> He, he had a headache himself that one week. Too. That, yeah. And the that's Falcons what, I, that's what I'm told. Yeah. But yet yeah. he was, but yet they played him in the second half. It's like, okay, if he's sick, why are you playing him? Sometimes I think Arthur Smith, and I don't know Arthur Smith. I've never met him. I'm sure he's a fine man. Uh, but, but sometimes I think he goes out of his way to show how smart he is by yes. not really showing us how smart he is. If that yeah. makes sense. Uh, he so loves Tyler Algier. Yeah. He loves Tyler Algier. He's a big fan of him and John Smith. Like just yeah. you give him those guys. I mean, if it was, if he, thank God he's not the GM 
because he would have traded Pitts, he would have traded Robinson by now, or he never would have drafted him. I, I think that that's entirely possible. Uh, wow, what a fun hour, uh, uh, almost hour it was, Brad. I, I feel like we are smarter for it. I feel like I'm more dialed in on some of my lineup decisions, thanks to you this week. I know you said it's a long shot to win the Millie, but ninth place right now, only eight teams uh, separating you one week. If you put up a, a 190 or 200, who knows, right? Uh, it could happen for you. We're rooting yeah. for, for you to win it. Uh, and if you do, uh, we'll definitely have you back on the show so you can tell us all about it. And then, of course, tell us how you're spending that million dollars, which is what everybody uh, will want to know. Uh, I certainly appreciate you carving some time out of your busy schedule on this Tuesday. Good luck in week 17. Enjoy it. And uh, may the ball bounce your way uh, to, to a lot of uh, a big windfall. We'll call it at that. A big windfall in week 17, Brett. Well, we, we will certainly celebrate it if we take it down. And <laughs> I appreciate it. You got it. We'll see you soon, Brad. Be good. All right, you too. Thanks. Later on, that is the fantasy assassin himself, Brad Cruz, joining me on the road of his high stakes lowdown this week. Such a fun guy to talk fantasy with. And and I think, like I said, I, I think we learned a lot tonight. I think we, we have really figured out what to do with week 17. In case that is not enough, don't worry. We got two more shows for you this week. Number one, this show will be live again next Tuesday at 10 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, the high stakes fantasy football show will go live Thursday night at 7 p.m. Eastern time on the Better Sports Network, the Better Sports Network socials, and, of course, the FFPC socials. It'll be myself and Nate Polvote from uh, Fantasy Pros will be my guest co-host. He returns to that show, and we'll lead you right into Thursday Night Football, Jets and Browns. We'll actually uh, watch the first quarter with you uh, before we turn things over to the best of the Better Sports Network after that. High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, then live Friday night at 10 p.m., Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship Commissioner Farrell Elliott and myself with a special guest. That gets underway at 10 p.m. on Friday. Remember, to go to uh, myffpc.com, play in the FFPC Weekly Challenge. There is no draft. There is no salary cap. You can play with or without kickers and defenses. Remember, we have the Thursday Challenge, the Saturday Challenge, and the Sunday Challenge. Three separate challenges this week uh, that you can join. Um, just get your lineups in for that. One player per team, per NFL team. Uh, and watch the points pile up. $35 to enter, $200 to enter as well, and you went up to $2,500. The same format as the FFPC Playoff Challenge. Two great contests in there. We have a $35 entry fee contest and a $200 entry fee contest. You can win $500,000 in the $200 one. You can win $100,000 in the $35 one. No draft or salary cap. You're choosing 12 players for the entire postseason. Get your registrations in now. Um, they're going to go fast and furious after the NFL season ends. So make sure you get your uh, entries earmarked now, and then you can start building your teams after the conclusion of week 18. Remember to like, subscribe, comment, share, and get notified. And I'll tell you this right now, there's 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 a talk in the chat room right now, Bill Hollywood. He wants to know, does this show go all year? Well, the answer is sort of. We, during the season, the Road of His High Stakes Lowdown will go live every Tuesday night at 10 p.m. During the offseason, basically, um, I think our last weekly show is prior to the divisional playoff weekend in the FFPC. Then we will sort of take a break, but not really. We'll still go live once a month. It'll be the first Tuesday of every month up until the start of the 2024 NFL season. So we'll go live, you know, the first week of um you know, February, March, April, May, June, July, August, and then September, we'll go back to weekly again. That is the schedule for the show. Uh, so so if, if you are watching and you're wondering, now you know. And thank you, Bill Hollywood, for that question. Whew. All right. Like, subscribe, comment, share, and get notified. Thanks for watching, everybody. We'll see you on Thursday night. And Happy New Year, everybody. We appreciate you watching.
Thank you for listening to the High Stakes Lowdown, a Rotoviz podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Football Players Championship. And thanks to Grapes for our theme music. Please review the podcast on iTunes under the Rotoviz radio feed. It helps us find new listeners. Contact us via email, rotovizradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think and follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the show by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 10% discount through the NFL podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast. Thank you.